Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Today's interview was a real joy for me. I followed Vanessa Kirby since she first hit the Hollywood radar. She came up in the theater. She delivered a BAFTA-winning, Emmy-nominated performance as Princess Margaret in The Crown. She also hit it out of the park in action franchises like Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. And now she's delivered one of the most impactful, haunting, and acclaimed performances of 2020, for which she won the Best Actress Volpe Cup at the Venice Film Festival. That performance is in a movie called Pieces of a Woman. Kirby plays Martha, a young mother who suffers a tragic loss. And trust me when I tell you, this film will stay with you long after the credits roll. So settle in. She's such great company. She zoomed in from London to be with us. So here is the wonderful Vanessa Kirby. It's great to see you, Vanessa. Where in the world am I finding you and and what are you doing right now? I'm at home in London. Um, we are a couple of weeks into lockdown again over here. We were released for the summer, which I know that, you know, was really lucky in a way. Um, but I'm back here and I live with my sister and two friends. So I'm in my bedroom right now, (laughs) 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 which is where all the important things happen. Yeah. Well, you had, uh, you've had quite, quite a, a year or let's just say a fall. It started with a bang with winning best actress at the Venice Film Festival, which had to be pretty amazing it was one of the most surreal experiences of my life for sure because in the sort of couple of months leading up to it when we knew the films had got in which was a miracle in itself truly and I'd never been to Venice before um the festival and even the weeks leading up to it we all were just like every day we were like surely this isn't going to happen in person is it really and then on the plane on the way there, we were all just looking at each other going, it is. And so that feeling was just throughout the entire thing. And it made it so magical because I think we all just felt so deeply grateful and privileged that it, we were able to sit in a cinema all in face mask, watching things that we put loads of love into. Um, and so the whole thing was a bit like a, a crazy dream, honestly. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop smiling the entire way. It was, it was one of those weeks that will just always live in you, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's go back to pieces of a woman and kind of how it came to you and your feelings when you first read that script, because I know a lot of actors like to lean into things that terrify them or scare them. Uh, and this had to be one of those things for you, because this is just such a daunting project emotionally and physically. Can you talk to me a little bit about that fear? Mm. It's so it's so interesting you say that because it is truly something you hear. It 
in you know you have in common with so many with most actors really you always hear that don't you I remember growing up reading interviews of actors that I really love and they always go oh I wish she's a thing that scares me and a part of me was like why would you do that but um as you go on you realize that that's I guess it's because there is I guess we all have a kind of a weird drive to push into parts of ourselves that we didn't know lived there some way or a part of being human that maybe we didn't, we don't know about. And those things are always scary inside yourself, you know? And so for pieces, yeah, it was, it was, it was fucking terrifying because I haven't given birth and I thought, who am I to, to carry that on screen, you know, in a way when so many, you know, women (laughs) across the planet uh, have done it and men have been by their sides and, and I haven't, um, as well as knowing that I would even have to get a little bit close to understanding what it might feel like to, to lose a baby in that way. And that, that was even bigger, you know? And I think in a way I, I, it was probably something where I went, yeah, I don't have any understanding of what that might feel like or how many people have gone through that or, oh yeah, I really haven't read much about it or know much about it. And that, I felt like, that feels like something we should be able to talk about. And then the, the, as I went into the sort of the research for it, <laughs> because I was so scared about not getting it right. I then began to find women to talk to women, friends of friends, contact um, women that had, you know, that, that were really willing to talk about it. And all of every single one of them said, no one's ever asked me. No one finds it easy to talk to me about it when it happened since and society doesn't really want to hear it if it's too, it's almost too uncomfortable. And I thought, oh my God, I'm so glad that we might be doing a film that really confronts that, that really difficult subject. Um, and I kind of felt, even though I was terrified of it and might get it wrong, that I had to try. Now, in your research, did you find yourself becoming like so attached to the women that you were talking to. What is that like for an actor when you're doing that kind of research and you're talking to um, OBGYN and, and, and women that have, have suffered this kind of loss? Yeah, you do get really attached actually. And I couldn't believe their bravery in t- talking to me about it, the whole experience in forensic detail, you know, and developing a trust so that I think they knew, I knew that I could ask anything because I, they knew that I really wanted to understand it. And I think in some ways it opened things up for them that have perhaps felt so lonely before because no one had ever really, couldn't really, didn't really know how to, you know, and here I was sitting in front of them being like, I really, I, you know, anything that would help me understand what it feels like so that I can do you justice in some way. And that feeling between them, there was one women, Kelly, particularly, who had lost her baby, Luciana, in the same way that Martha does. And I spent a long time with her and she was with me really in, 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 in spirit all the way through the film, you know, and I was always in touch with her and, um, a a friend, um, Alex also was one of the, there was a, there was a couple of really key women that really, yeah, just had so much, um, just really brave and it was such a generous act because this I think we all felt and me I felt particularly that in the filming of it 
it didn't, it never felt about me really. It didn't feel about me and my performance, what I wanted to do with the character or what I thought should be done. You know, it felt, it always felt about them. And even in Venice, you know, when that, when that award happened, I, it was for Kelly and, and her and, and the women, you know, it wasn't about me really. And so in a way I could receive it more, you know, I really could feel like maybe we did, we'd done something good for them because the isolation that they all talked about and, and that, that depth of loneliness and that lone journey that they had to go on to navigate that level of grief or um, loss or feeling like you'd failed in some way or, you know, all the things they talked to me about. I think um, just, just from my understanding was such a lonely journey. And so I don't know, I hope in many ways the film might help even one person feel a little bit less lonely because it's represented something they may have felt. Mm -hmm. Well, also what makes this film so unique and visceral and like you're just dropped into it from the very beginning is that the way it shot that first opening sequence, basically the the birthing scene, and I know people have talked about it in uh, because it's all one take and you never let go. And as an audience member, you're in it. And I have given birth two times. Um, it was different. I was in a hospital, but I know that that f- like ugly, beautiful feeling that's happening to your body and things are happening that you just can't even you've never felt before. You only feel in that experience. What what was that like? Just because I know you had to do it again and again. It wasn't like theater where it's one night and this is your take and you, you do it eight times a week. I mean, you're making a movie, so you've got to, you've got to track that entire scene. Talk to me, you know, about that, about getting to that place. We were, I was so excited about the ambition we had to do do it all in one take and I was actually really relieved because the minute that you break that up it becomes fake and I was so scared about doing a fake birth you know and in my research I was I started off watching tons of documentaries um and all of them are edited and censored and you know all the nice bits or like little snippets and I was like I don't I still don't understand when a contraction comes and and why and how much space between and the your water can break at any time. And I, you know, I just felt so humbled and totally ignorant. Um, and so, you know, then I found an obstetrician who was amazing and let me shadow her and spent a lot of time in the labor board or the midwives teaching me the moves. I've got so many videos on my phone of them showing me all the moves, all the kind of like really animal moves, but still I, I could never have done it without this miraculous thing happening where this amazing woman came in and allowed me to watch her give birth and, I, it was just, I just remember those six hours watching her just being like, I know that this is a, one of the biggest moments of my life, like to be in a room when a baby's born. And I hadn't had that experience ever before, nor did I even re- imagine what it would be like. So, and after that, then I thought, okay, now I, th- now I feel able to, to act it. So we had the ambition to do up to 30 minutes of it, one, one take. And um, I knew that I had to do all my own work prior to, to understand if I had to turn up on set and just do it, I might be able to <laughs> not completely fall flat on my ass and be an embarrassment to every woman that's ever done it and every man that's ever watched it. Um, 
And so we did four takes the first day and two the second. Um, and your question about how do you kind of reset? I mean, and you talk about theatre. I just felt so lucky in those in those days to know what it feels like to do something like Street Cunning kind of Desire on a Saturday afternoon for three and a bit hours. And then you have an hour break and then you're back on from the beginning when everything's okay, you know? And I kind of, I'd been through that, that process of learning and having tools to be able to just shake it all off and reset. And, and also it was just so exhilarating because you, you could just be in the present moment with what was happening. You didn't have to break for lunch or, you know, change a lighting setup or whatever. You could just, just live it weirdly. And when you talked about you giving birth twice, I, I just couldn't stop smiling. So I feel like I was talking to my sister about this morning. I, it's so strange how, I feel so connected to you, even though I've never done it, you know, I feel so humbled by it. And so, and it's like having done it in a pseudo way, you know, I haven't done it for real, but I, I kind of weirdly semi know what the experience is like. It's a really bizarre thing. It's so believable. It feels completely real uh, down to the gagging and the, you know, the adrenaline and all that, which makes that loss so much you know, it's just devastating. And, and that audience is like hooked and in. Uh, I loved reading that there was a lot of rehearsal happening in Ellen Burstyn's apartment in New York on the Upper West Side, I believe. And that to me just felt like, oh, it's fa how fantastic is that? You're just going to her apartment. Like, first of all, just that intimate space to, to for all of you to work out work out these scenes and work out these relationships. Uh, how was that? I mean, I imagine it was the first time you've met her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember us coming off in the lift just being like, oh my God, we're meeting Ellen Burstein and we're going to her house. Um, but the minute we walked in, it's just this, I know she's described it. I remember us talking with her. It's just, sometimes it's just so lucky that you're with a group of actors that you happen to be doing, exploring something with and you all really... Um, you feel familiar to each other. You know, Ellen talks a lot about stage work and you kind of have that real, you know, when, when you're on stage, all you've got is each other. You know, you don't, you can't cut, you can't walk off. You have to just keep going, even if it's going really badly or something's, you know, and not judge the previous moment or the next moment, just, and your only, your only life raft is the other person. And I think we're all those kind of actors. And so the minute we, we, we walked in, we go, God, I don't know. None of us know how we're how what this how we're going to even touch this this film with this level of you know um, heaviness in a way. Um, and we just sort of locked in and trusted each other, and we're really close, and um, decided to hold hands and go for it and see what happened. Um, but it, yeah, it was a very surreal moment walking to her house, and also you know she's got like a million awards, <laughs> you know, in one room. And she's like, she's just amazing. She's such an icon. I stayed overnight at her house a couple of times um, just so we would start to feel like family and build that, build that past together. Um, and, you know, we speak every day now. She's, she's like family. So it's such a gift. Yeah. That your, your relationship is, is, so strong in the film, obviously, and the other big set piece was that dining room scene, you know, the dinner scene, and you two are going at it. And, and again, totally believable that mother and daughter at, at odds. Uh, 
and when she's just coming at you full strength. Uh, I love what she had said that that you had told her, you know, really bring it, make me make me go to court, change my mind right now. And she just this, being a person of the theater just loved that. No. Yeah, I, I've forgotten that happened. She talks about it a lot now, actually, mm-hmm. and I, I forgot that even happened. I think I knew that, you know, we'd filmed that previous take the day before, where it's all one take um, before that moment happens, that kind of explosion between us. Um, and we were we were working on the script, Kata, Cornell, Ellen and I were working on the that section, that half of the scene for ages, not quite knowing what it had to be. And I think the night before, often, you know, we'd, we'd work long into the night, like working out things and, you know, going through things and rehearsing and stuff. And it got to that, that day. And I don't think we knew yet what the scene was. And suddenly, I, if, if I remember, I think in that moment, I just thought, oh, the whole thing has to be about trying to get her to go to court or else there is no case. And therefore, there was no movie, really. <laughs> so we kind of did the scene and it wasn't really working. And I started, you know, really feeling feeling Martha's feelings. And suddenly I just, yeah, turned her before the, the camera roll. And I went, make me go to court, make me go to court, make me go to court. And she just, she really made me go, you know. Like, it's just, it, I mean, it's Ellen, isn't it? Yeah. So... She just, and I remember being on the other side of the camera, watching her do that speech, just being like, oh my God, it's like a requiem moment, you know, which has always been a, a, such a, a moment in my, you know, inspiring acting moment for me, uh, that speech she has in that. Um, and it was sort of happening in front of me. So I was just sort of witness to it and <laughs> yeah, felt very, yeah. Yeah, it feels like this experience is is one that, changed you in a way and and or it's not one that you're going to not take with you moving forward let's put it that way I don't want to say change that feels too dramatic of a word but it feels like your first lead call sheet wise all of that right taking that on and and having such a uh unique perspective um on a challenging subject that really brings people uh in and then makes them consider all kinds of things that they may have had judgment around. I, I know at least for me, that was the experience. I was like, wow, I'm thinking and feeling so many things I didn't anticipate. Totally. I feel, I feel really changed from it. I, I felt, I didn't know when I was going to lead a movie for the first time, but I knew at some point I would like to very much. And I also knew that you, I always felt like I had to earn my dues for that a little bit, you know? And I, I never forget there was, um, when I was at university, I would, I would go up and forth from, it was university outside London, like three hours. And I'd go up on the train for some weird auditions in London for like, <laughs> I think it was one for like a corporate interview candidate on some bank on some website, pretending to be a good candidate and then a bad candidate. <laughs> and I never forget, it was this real, real like formative moment for me where I put on the, um, I put on my sister's old school uniform and I coloured in the badge because I was supposed to wear a suit and of course I didn't have a suit I was living in like tracksuit bottoms um and I remember walking to the station on the way to town just going someday some way this will this will pay off you know that doing those things that you think are completely insane actually and that always gave me a feeling of 
if I can be on sets and I can watch these amazing actors do it their way and take the things that work for me and learn from them and absorb how things work, then I feel like I'll get to a point where I'll really be able to have my, uh, have the space for, for me and to work out the kind of the things that I would love to explore on, on film. And so when this came to me, I guess I thought, oh, I think this is it. And I, I know how much I care about this and how much I want this birth to be accurate for women because I realized through my own research, I, I hadn't seen, you know, the woman I saw felt really nauseous all the way through and had been sick a lot that morning. And I wouldn't have known that from any documentary. So I just, I just imagined I felt really sick in the film. And that's why I burp a lot, which is going to be really hard for some people to watch. But, you know, weirdly in Venice, a lot of people came up to me and went, thank you for the burping. I didn't understand what they meant. But then after I think on reflection, I go, oh, I'm really, I'm so proud that, you know, that, that I learned from that amazing woman who gave me the gift of allowing me to watch her and knowing that that's what really happens to a woman when she's in her most, her power actually, in that moment, you know? As you said, it's it was horrifying and fucking like profound and mag- majestic and divine and sacred and also you know, she felt so sick she was going to throw up at any minute or poo herself. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, but that's being human, you know, that's also being a man. That's all the, all the parts of it. So I felt, I just knew when I read this and I started it, I just thought, oh, I'm really lucky that this is the one. And I was so lucky that I had actors around me who cared just as much as I did about it. Cared so much about the film. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of that earned luck. Uh, You've had a, such a varied career, of which I, I love. Uh, Fast and Furious franchise and also Mission Impossible. I mean, how is it for you doing those action movies? Because you are awesome. I remember first seeing you in Mission Impossible and everyone was like, oh, oh my God. It was a huge, also a huge moment for you in a different way. Mm. Yeah, that was equally scary because I'm not a physical person, really. Like, as in, I, I was always the worst at sports at school. I really didn't like sports. I found them, I was always the worst, and that's a horrible feeling. <laughs> Coming last in the running race all the time, do you know what I mean? Like, sports days were awful for me. So, you know, when when Tom and um, Chris McQuarrie wanted to meet me on it, while I was doing The Crown, I was, I was like, oh, God, they're going to find me out because I'm so not this... I was so not suited to this. And I think that was part of the reason why I really wanted to do it. And I was just amazed. I would just be on set with my like jaw drop, just watching everyone, you know, and led by Tom kind of do these, this amazing dance. It's like a dance. Um, and the, the physicality in a way, you know, some, some jobs are super, super emotional, mental, sort of spiritual, athleticism in some way and and some is physical and I really learned it um on that and that comes with having you know you can't you can't not be on your game physically when you're doing a stunt because someone might get hurt and so it's a level it's almost like ballet dancing really just a different form of it um and so it taught me a lot about discipline and realizing that you you can apply that to things where you're required emotionally or psychologically to go to those places, those kind of gymnastics, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
And I, you know, I really loved that character. I really loved it and was really encouraged to find the unusual, you know, in, in not a kind of, I don't know. I always, I'd always rather look for something that's not a usual definition of something. Like if you would say that's a femme fatale, I'd rather she be odd and definitely not sexualized or, you know, that's always been a big thing for me to try and really take care of the definitions of tropes or, you know, of things that we usually see on screen. Absolutely. I think it's what makes that character great too. And and it's, it's not, sometimes I feel like, I don't want to use the word lazy, but sometimes it can be very lazy. And I feel like we're certainly moving in a direction where our female, uh, the female characters are they're they're becoming more layered, even in something that would be defined as an action movie or a thriller. Uh, I'm really encouraged to see that, and I think that the Mission Impossible franchise has done well with that, and also done well with casting you in that. So it's exciting, and it all kind of started with Margaret, right? The Crown. I don't know. Have you had time to watch the new season of The Crown? <laughs> I, I've watched two episodes. My, it's my dad's 70th, so I'm, we've been wait. my sister and I have been waiting to watch it with my parents. Um, but it was very, it was so, it was so amazing to watch them, the, the first two, and hear the theme music and stuff. It's like, it's, yeah, it's a really beautiful feeling being part of a kind of company of actors like that. Yeah. It's, um, it's so it's so it means so much that people love it so much you know i mean i'm haven't been in it for t- the last two seasons but i just it's so it makes me so happy that people love it as much as we did making it well it's so clever the way peter morgan does it because your margaret that defined the personality and margaret as we watch her mature and age and be played by helena bottom carter which is just so unique because that first season really established these characters that are obviously real life people, but it was a way for audiences to get in to feeling about them in such a unique way, even though we've seen images of them and we've had this other feeling about them, obviously, because we've just been, they've been portrayed and certainly the Queen and Margaret and and, and we've been allowed to make judgments around that. And then when we went in and your Margaret in particular, we're like, oh my God, there's like all these other layers to her that we never really knew about. I mean, certainly Americans didn't know about. And that mm. really, do you feel like that was your moment for you that that you're like, okay, like I'm curious, what was that moment for you, Vanessa, when you're like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm making headway. I'm on the right path. Or did you have that feeling when you first got a professional job on the stage? I think I realized when I got the job, the actual job of Margaret and, um, I, I really want, I just knew, I just, I so wanted to do it in the same way as when I first read pieces. I didn't know if I'd get it, but I just, I just loved her straight away. Um, I think I knew at that point because of Stephen and Peter and they've done the Queen and they've done the, the play before that of the Queen, you know, that they, I thought, okay, this, this doesn't feel like it will be a bad spoof, you know, of these real people. Cause there'd been a lot of that with bad wigs, you know, in some ways kind of impersonations and stuff. And, and I knew Netflix and Netflix was so interesting because Netflix had only done house of cards. They were not, they were not the, the, the platform that they are today. Um, but I knew it was, you know, I'd spent most of my time working in London on the stage and I suddenly thought, Oh, this is, 
definitely a perhaps something that more people than 300 in a theater will watch maybe but the whole way through making we had no idea that anyone would watch it and so there's this like total innocence about it now I think the actors joining it, they know, you know, one of my great friends is, one of my best friends is Elizabeth Vicky from that mountain movie that I, don't, that I have one line in. Um, and we spent months, you know, up a, up a mountain, like bonding over everything. So she's been a really long time friend. And, you know, her experience of coming into it as Diana in season five was so, must be so different to what it was for us coming into it when we had literally no idea if anyone would watch it, if it would be any good. And also knowing that we only had two series, I remember thinking, well, if it's bad, that's okay. Cause then I guess I'll be out of it. I won't be, you know, um, and also really, uh, you know, to your, to your point about the different, the different Margaret's that happen or the different, you know, the different stages of life that those people go through. It was, I I knew that I had to set up the, the other four seasons too. So I knew that I couldn't play what I knew would happen to, was happening to her later. You know, as she gets harder, as she gets you know, I guess even more wounded and and bitter and really disintegrates in many ways. And I I, I really what I like I love playing that parts those parts. So I was really I was like, oh no, I don't think I'm very good at the sort of the the younger, more innocent part. But um, yeah, I had to make sure that I stopped at 1964 in my mind and didn't didn't overcook it too early and leave everyone else nowhere else to go. <laughs> For you, what what first engaged you as a child to want to pursue this career? And then also, I find it interesting that you decided not to go the kind of Lambda route. And I know these big prestigious acting schools that everyone talks about, RADA, Lambda. You defiantly didn't go that route. So I just kind of want to hear it in your own words what was that first idea that sparked in you that that that's what you had to do um it was pretty pretty young really I think the main thing I remember was being really small and always being super sensitive and emotional and not really liking school at all and knowing that suddenly there was this place doing drama or theater or things outside of school that were that that place I felt really free and like accepted and that you could be anything and no one really cared because you were just, you're pushed to be silly or to do weird things or to pretend to be someone else or, you know, so that kind of was the thing that made me feel happiest to begin with. And my parents took me to a lot of theatre and I remember being so bored until I was about 11 or something. And I suddenly was watching a production of The Cherry Orchard with Vanessa and Corinne Redgrave playing brother and sister. And they were so real, you know, obviously they were siblings. And I remember sitting in the balcony at the, at the National Theatre and just looking at them and leaving the play going, oh my God, I felt like I was there. And I felt like I'd lived a different life for a second. And I couldn't shake that feeling. And I thought, that's something that I want to be involved in. I don't know how or what or where. And then I thought I'd always go to, especially in England, you know, it's, if you sometimes there's a feeling if you don't train and you can't do theatre, you know that training is the is the way because it's been this way for so long. And I always imagined I I could I would, um, but I didn't get in when I was seventeen. They all said no to me and that I was too young and probably really hopeless. Um, and I went travelling and sort of really went travelling on my own to Africa and Asia. Came back realised that I was so I I I'd learned about so much of life that I had no idea about before. And then I understood. 
I can't pretend to be other people if I don't know more about what it is, what who other people are. So I went to uni and did um, English there and did a ton of plays with my friends. And it was this, it was this really interesting moment, which I think might be answering your question <laughs> very long-windedly, but um, I never forget, I was reapplying for drama school at the end of my third year. And there was a, my, one of my friend's boyfriends who had trained himself as an actor said to me, I was like a few weeks away from doing the, the auditions. And he said, so what's your, what's your, what are your speeches? And I said, oh, I don't know yet. I'm going to work it out. And he said, what? You don't know what you're, you don't know what you're auditioning with. And I went, no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to find it when I, when I, you know, in a bit, in a bit. And he said, you, he said, you, you're not fine. You're not, you haven't decided because you're really scared. You're not going to get in. And you're, you're not going to find them because if then you don't get in, then you have, a, there's a reason, there's a get out clause or, oh, I didn't prepare enough or, oh, I didn't know my speeches well enough or, and he says, you're really scared of failing. And the whole, this whole thing is you have to be willing to do, to, to try a hundred percent and still get told, no, you're not good enough, go home. And that kind of is most of the job, especially in all the years you're trying, you know, there's a thousand million no's and still are today, you know? Um, but he weirdly was one of those people that I suddenly went, Oh my God, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting, I'm protecting myself from failing and I have to really risk failing. So then I went straight away, found this incredible um, acting coach called Andy Johnson that I hadn't worked with. You know, he did some summer course, but he was absolute no bullshit. And he'd be like, that is, I don't believe a second of that. Sit down, do it, do it again. You know, and he, and we worked so intensely and got to the point where I felt like I couldn't have done more. And if I don't, if I don't get in and no one ever wants to hire me or I never, no one, I don't work for a second in a professional job. Um, it's okay. Cause at least I tried. And, and that has kind of stayed with me, you know, and all the, all the crappy auditions I've done and all the other things I go, if you put hundred percent into it, then at least you can walk away being like, well, I did try. Hmm. What kind of advice do you have for, for people that are trying to, to break in in any way? I think um, you, there's a sort of different elements to it. I guess it's the, like I said, that, that, that risking failing and in doing that, you have to just put everything that you have into it. I think also the perspective of that always really helped me was I always wanted to do it, whether I was getting paid for it or whether it, it was a real job or it was deemed good or, you know, I just thought if I can do this, all the time, I'll find ways of doing it all the time, whatever that means. Any kind of that kind of, I mean, I guess I express creativity through acting, but, um, you know, I did so many plays with my friends at university. It felt no different when I started working professionally. I found it hard to, to say I am an actress for a long time. I didn't know when I could be classified as an actual actress as a job. You know, it took me many jobs to be able to say that because I always felt like, I'd never forget one of my first screen jobs was John Hurt and he's, he was really nervous before a speech and he turned to me and I said, are you okay, John? And he said, I'm just really worried I'm going to get found out. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, John Hurt's thinking that at this point in his life. I was like, and then I'm really screwed. Um, but I think it's that thing that never never leaves you in that kind of perseverance as, and the fear around it and the intense preparation you have to do in order to be truly free. That's the other thing I learned from Anthony Hopkins. He does his lines like 2,000 times before getting to set. 
Um, I just asked him a million questions and that really helped because you have to, you have to be so prepared in order to then, then be able to risk failing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering with all of, of this kind of momentum you have, if you, you can reboot one of my fa- my favorite show, which was The Hours That Went Away. It was the most brilliant show and it was only one season. And maybe it's because of my being a journalist and being in that world, but I loved it and you were brilliant in it. And then it, come on, Vanessa, can't you, can't you bring that back now? Come on, get that. I know, you know, it was my first screen job. I was terrified from start to finish on that. I was so, and also I'd, I'd seen Ben Wishaw play Hamlet like three times and I was like totally obsessed with him. I thought he was the best actor and still do. And suddenly I was sitting opposite him in the scene and my brain was like tripping. <laughs> so I don't have, I, my memories of that are very fuzzy, Krista. So I'll have to go back and rewatch it with my, like with my hands, you know, looking between my hands. But um it was, uh, it did have a good feeling, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. great. I was so proud of that coming out as my first screen job. It was really, really, it's a really strange moment seeing my face on the screen for the first time. Bizarre. It's a very bizarre thing. So you're, you go back to filming and then what are some of the things that you're, you're hoping to do in the next couple of years or so? Yeah, I, um, I haven't found the, the next um, film yet. I'm I'm waiting. I'm really waiting for something to speak to me in the same way it did with pieces. Maybe that maybe that happens once every so often. I don't know, but I'm just uh, seeing if that will happen. Um, I've always had a the biggest ambition to have my own company and to um, I don't know why I've always just had it. And I and I think after doing pieces and also World to Come, I think after doing those two films, I I feel ready for that. So I'm just in the process of doing that. And I think, you know, I, I have a, I've always had a dream to sort of be able to create and find things and create women on screen that we haven't seen before in different ways that we haven't seen before. And that's what's so exciting. I think there's definitely space and it's opened up so much in the last few years and now more than ever where female writers are being asked to write their experience of it, you know, and then female directors and, and us as actresses, there's, so many parts of life that we haven't seen on in a film before, perhaps of a, of a woman's experience of it. And that's not, doesn't have to be, um, it has to be human, not necessarily exclusively female. You know, I, I'd want men to identify with the women that are on screen as being people that they love or they know in their lives or, or recognize in themselves some way. And it's, uh, it's really exciting because, because there's a lot of stuff that, that hasn't been, represented yet and sometimes you see things and you go oh my god I haven't seen that before on screen wow you know I haven't seen a female war story or a female survival story in a certain way that perhaps you know there's been it's it's been we've you know we've seen in in this medium for a long time from a male perspective so I think it's um it's something that I really want to be a part of and I feel like I have a responsibility to do to be honest um which is why the, the the burping was probably the most flattering compliment I've ever had <laughs> on an acting job, truthfully. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I didn't realise that that would be a surprise to people. Because, I mean, my God, we all burp, you know. And and we should show that life on screen. 
I think. Mm. You know? Well, I'm definitely going to be watching what you're doing and, and cheering you on for decades to come, for sure. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's great to catch up with you. Stay safe and sane out there. And I look forward to when we can actually see each other in person. I'm going to give you the biggest hug. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining me. Pieces of a Woman is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.